welcome to the 9050 podcast. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. Earlier this year, we talked about how Hamilton's so-called commitment to eliminating pedestrian deaths, branded as Vision Zero, had come head-to-head with a spate of pedestrian deaths that showed words, soundbites and branding had little value in the face of a council that contained some highly vocal advocates for the rights of drivers to, go, to get places fast. Most of those councillors are now gone, and Hamilton may perhaps be starting a new and more positive phase in its history with pedestrians and motor traffic. Around the same time, a new group was being born in Halton. Safe Streets Halton has the mission to eliminate traffic deaths and improve the quality of life in Halton region by enabling residents to safely and comfortably use sustainable and active modes of transportation. We're joined today by Nick Morrison, founder of Safe Streets Halton, to talk about how he hopes the new activist group can be a resource for the community and also for local government in reaching that goal of eliminating road deaths and making Halter a safer and healthier region for all. Welcome, uh, Nick Morrison from Safe Streets Halton to the 905 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And I guess we should just start off with the obvious thing, which is, which is, um, what is uh, Safe Streets Halton, and um, uh, and how did you come into being, and and, and what are you trying to do? Uh, so Safe Streets Halton is a community organization focused on the elimination of all traffic-related deaths and serious injuries, uh, while also promoting sustainable, healthy ways of getting around. Uh, we came to being around the provincial election this year, so around March. Uh, it was really about noticing that we're talking a lot about housing, we're talking a lot about just health in general, but there's this missing thing. We're not talking enough about the number of people that die on our roads every year. We're not talking about how people feel unsafe just walking out of their front door. And Safe Street Halton is there to help fill that role and really connect the community on that issue and try and promote some solutions. And I, I know, you know very much uh, Hamilton's been very sort of familiar with this subject. Um, we had this whole spate of, of deaths in, in Hamilton early this year that kind of raised raised awareness that was already pretty high, if we're, if we're honest. Uh, Halton, I guess, gets more of, deservedly or otherwise, the kind of rap as a, as a uh, more suburban, more car... Well, Hamilton's plenty car-centric, but even more car-centric kind of uh, community. Um, when, when you're kind of... Um, you know, I know that this kickback in Hamilton against the, you know people who say you know it'd be nice if, if people could go for a walk without getting run down. Um, do, do you, have you run into that kind of opposition in in uh, in Halton yet? Opposition in terms of like people that not. Kind of, yeah, that kind of public um, resistance that that often comes up of 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 anything that challenges kind of uh, a driver's right to drive. If you see what I mean. Thus far, we have not come upon that opposition. I- so what we're trying to go for is really a bottom-up kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're focusing a lot more on community. Community empowerment is a big thing for us. We are, for example, trying to get a technical urbanism program going with the city of Burlington. Hopefully that expands to the rest of the region. And basically what technical urbanism is, is just prototyping. So for people that are afraid of walking 
down the street, if they don't feel comfortable letting their kids walk to school, this is for those people. So they can say, okay, I want to make an improvement to my street. The city is taking too long to get this done. What can be done? What can I do? Uh, so with the city, we're going to be, and talks are still going on, but we're looking to start engagements with the community, get an idea of really what their priorities are, and then take this information to the city after recording some numbers and saying, hey, this is what we found. This is what the community wants. We've worked with them. We've done, we've recorded some metrics. We have some goal numbers. Here's our, like, our draft plan. What do you think about it? And then we take it from there. And this also does not have to be very expensive. It can be very quickly put up, taken down. It's just like pylons, paint, tape, or even if people have pots, plants, things like that. The one thing that we've, we've noticed, like we've talked about the idea of, you know, how, how, do, how do we make streets or, or our, our city, like the idea of that 15 minute city, right? Everything is within the walking circumference of where you live. You can get to, uh, you know, the, your groceries, your doctors, kind of the essentials of life uh, uh, bit. But he, you know, it's something like it's a European centric concept of, of of an urban setting. You know, I guess it, you know, what kind of sparked your interest in it? You know, like to kind of bring that European modality or, or sensibility to. Well, I mean, the nine hundred five is very car centric. It, it it was built with the idea of no, we're going to drive. Everybody's going to leave Toronto and drive everywhere with their cars and be able to park the cars. I'm just wondering, like, you know, what, what sparked your, your drive to see this change and kind of bring this European mentality to, to uh, the 905 region. I want to challenge that it's not entirely a European mentality. Okay. Like, this is a mentality that we've had before urban. You're right. That a lot of the 905 was developed around the automobile. Um, there was still some resistance, even within the 905, you can look at once again, talking about Burlington, there was the plans to, I think, put the highway through downtown or something. That there was resistance towards highways and towards automobiles. Then the part of it being a European, specifically European sentiment that I want to challenge is that this is a thing like cities for people is a thing outside of Europe. It's a thing in Asia. It's a thing in Australian cities. Right now, we are just dealing with the remnants of what has been a 100 year pretty much experiment and trying to scale back on that and saying, okay, you know what? This did not work out. We're seeing that uh, more people are dying on our streets still. We were promised certain things that we did not end up getting. And we are seeing that people are actually less healthy and feeling less connected to their neighbors that they did bef- than they did before. And, and I mean, uh, Obviously, the, the sort of starting point of all this. I mean, I know you didn't use the vision zero phrase, but the, the vision of the vision of having zero deaths. Yes. Um, which you can call that vision zero. Or you can call it just um, what we should naturally be aiming for. Um, and, and I know earlier this year I, I, I was tweeting something or other, and and you know, usually I don't get a whole lot of replies from people who. But quite often I don't get any replies at all to anything. <laughs> but, but this one tweet, I said something about the number of people who've been killed in Hamilton. And it was like, it's this kind of really quite extraordinary sort of level of hostility to the idea that you could not have any deaths on the road. And, and, yeah, and I, well, I t- I'll, I'll leave you to say the response that, that I also gave, which is, which is like, you know, where the vision of zero kind of concept came from. Um, well, is it possible to have zero deaths on the road? Uh, I'll ask you that question. The answer is yes. I sh- should have double-checked the name of the city. 
that has actually achieved zero deaths and fatalities last year, I believe was actually a US city of all places that did not have any road deaths last year. So it is possible. It's even possible just the whole point of Vision Zero having zero fatalities, road deaths is not just to have like one single solution and then to reach that goal. It's also the pursuit of reaching that goal. It's about making the effort to make our streets safer. So, and we try not to use the term vision zero or other terminology like active transportation or okay. things like that, because it's not terms that people generally use in their day to day. We're trying to make this as an accessible, a group as a program as possible for people, regardless of what your background is, regardless of where you come from or anything like that. What you, when you talk about, you know, reducing uh, uh, pedestrian fatalities uh, in the 905 or like in, in Halton, you know, part like part of it is like just the way that our cities are designed. Our cities were designed, for, you know, for almost 50 years of this, you know, basically sprawl. You know, you build a you build a, a plaza, strip mall, and it would have you know your your shops and whatnot in it. And we were all supposed to do, we were all basically supposed to drive to these places to do our shopping and commerce and, and whatnot. How do, are are you prepared to kind of take on like? The, the, that mentality of, well, I need my car because I have to drive everywhere in, to, to do my shopping, to, to visit friends, to, you know, to do basic, the basic necessities of life. I need my car just to get around because that's the way things are. Like, I, so I think one thing that you need to pick out there, and it's something that we're going to be stressing, is that right now what you're saying is I need and I have to. The whole point is that you shouldn't need and you shouldn't have to. It should be something that you could consider. But if you feel like, oh, I want to ride my bike today, or as I've had conversations with people on the bus or waiting for the bus, we're like, ah, oh, it's a nice day. I'm going to take the bus today. Take my time. I don't have much to do. And sometimes the bus surprisingly ends up being as fast as driving, depending on where you're going. It's when you go to the people who are saying, I need to, and I have to, and you're saying to them, oh, we're going to make it harder. You're not, the goal isn't to make it harder for you to do certain things to get around. The goal is to give you more choices, to make it safer, to explore those choices and just live your life. Yeah. At the end of the day. No, I really, I really like that, that, that distinction actually. Um, it's, I mean, like I, I've been living in Hamilton for the last year and basically most of the time living w- without using a car um, and because I don't need to and I don't have to. Sometimes it, it's nice if I do. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to pick up something big uh, that is too big for for the basket of a bike or too big to carry, in a, you know, it's nice to have that option. But um, but yeah, that that is exactly the thing that I, I can li- I can live without a car. Uh, I don't have to live without a car, um, but I, I can I can certainly dramatically re- reduce the amount of, of car usage that I've had because of the community I now live in, uh, which, which exactly has that kind of walkable uh, element to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, that was an, it's a community that was built in the nine between the eighteen eighties and the nineteen thirties, I think. You know, so I mean, that's the that's the difference. But yeah, I guess that. I, I I really like the way you kind of put that. That it's like you know this is this is increasing increasing people's choices rather than than decreasing them. And I think that's a, a good point. Um, 
how much have you have you sort of got into the fun of dealing with 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 like municipal bureaucracy so far? I mean, you mentioned you're hoping to work with City of Wellington. I mean, uh, you're doing the same with the other the other councils in Halton Region. I'm sure you will be. How, what what kind of reaction have you had uh, so far? Uh, so there have been a few interactions. Let's start with the interactions with the City of Burlington. Staff have been very receptive of everything that we've proposed. Mm-hmm. They've actually, the, the only reason it's moving slower is because they don't have the staffing to actually focus as much on this as they'd like to. Mm-hmm. But speaking with uh, some of the lead, lead engineers, they're very excited at the option of actually having a tactical urbanism program informal informal mm-hmm. within Burlington. Um, if we take a look at the at Halton region as a whole, uh, regional council, we delegate to them in July of this year mm-hmm. on their transportation report. Uh, we noted a few discrepancies in the reports and made a few recommendations. And from that, it garnered a conversation around how we could possibly improve this report during council. Uh, council also started questioning why we no longer have a committee that's focused on transportation, a citizens committee for that. And then afterwards, we ended up having a meeting with the actual regional staff to understand, okay, where they're at and to let them know, hey, the transportation master plan is going to be updated next year. We want to be a part of that. We have ideas, and they're more than welcoming of that. And you know, your your membership. You started up earlier this year. I mean, you've you've done amazingly well, kind of getting uh, awareness in a pretty short amount of time. Um, the uh, we, what is your membership? I mean, how, can can anybody join? Uh, are you kind of looking for more people to join you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right now, I can't even. I'd have to. Take a look. There are a good amount of us. I'd say we're growing very quickly, a lot faster than I thought that we would. So (laughs) I'm happy about that. Um, We call all the people within our community just volunteers. So you're volunteering your time to do this. I feel like a member is a higher level of commitment that than most people would be willing to put forward, especially like your parent and you're running around with your kids and you're like, I oh, don't have time to be a member of this thing, but I will watch them. Um, we have people from Halton Hills, Oakville, Burlington, Milton, have people from all over. We have subscribers to our newsletter. There's, we're growing very well. And personally, I'm very happy with the diversity of opinions that we have around the table during our meetings. And right now we're going through some planning for fundraising and programs that we want to put forward next year. And personally, I'm just very excited for where this is going. Uh, but I just want—I don't want to be the the you know the devil's advocate or the, the <laughs> neg- negative Nancy here, because um, I, I think what you're doing is is important. Like we need we we, we need to rethink these things uh, from and and get the grassroots. Uh, and, and perspective and involvement in the at the decision making table by all means, but I'm I'm wondering the opposition to what you're you're suggesting is going to be drastic. And mostly what, what I'm coming down to is tying it into the provincial scene, uh, because as so, you know, something we've talked recently about, and I wanted to bring this up 
to you is a Bill 23, the, the Build More Homes Faster Act, which is really going to talk about, let, let's call it what it is. It's about increasing sprawl in Ontario. Um, the, the attention is going to be off of infill or perhaps re, better designing our cities and our communities so that we can get around faster and more efficiently and safer into, well, no, we're just going to keep building out and expanding that need for the car. Are, I'm wondering, like, are, are, you, are you anticipating that fight? Because, you know, I don't want to be, again, negative Nancy here, but you, that, you're going to get those developers say, well, no, no, I don't, I don't want to build, you know, more, more infill. I want to build that over that, that plot of land, that farmland, and we'll just build another, high, another road or another highway out that way. So we can agree that, yes, sprawl is not the way to go. We need more walkable densities. We need more infill. The growth that we need to see in terms of how we use our land needs to be done responsibly, not just environmentally responsibly, but also fiscally responsibly, because it's been shown time and time again, even just you can look at a study from Kingston, Kingston, Ontario, for example, I believe a year or two ago, that sprawl does not pay for itself. The taxes that car-oriented development just completely focus on automobiles, not on people, on automobiles, does not pay for itself. I think that if we're going to do this, there needs to be things in place to make sure that's done properly. And we're going to be having more of a conversation around this in the future. Uh, Right now, our position is just sprawl is not the way to go about this. Um, Have you, you know, what's the the response that you've had from uh, municipal politicians in Halton, you know, what's, what's their reaction when you bring this up of, you know, you're obviously your organization is anti-sprawl. Um, you know, what, what, what happens when you, when you talk to the politicians around the Halton region, uh, about this, what's their, their reaction to that? There hasn't been any negative reaction really based off of, so just the politicians that we've spoken to, including like the, some of the candidates as well that are, should be very connected with their community um, from the last municipal election. There hasn't been that much pushback in terms of sprawl. And to be honest, our focus has always just been on making the streets safer. And I think because we focus more on that, it's 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 more of a welcoming conversation, to be honest. I think talking about sprawl and land use can get a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We just haven't had those conversations with any of the politicians outside of Burlington, I'd say, as of yet. And I, I guess um, uh, the next question I was just wanting to ask is like, you know, what does, uh, for anybody who's not sort of familiar with, with the sorts of things that, that are used to, uh, that can make uh, communities safer for for, for pedestrians, what what sort of things are, are you looking at? And I'm just looking at your website here, and I can see some of the examples, and, and some of the those are I'm familiar with from other parts of the world where they're they're, they're common. Um, but maybe you could take us through. I mean, is it a matter of just like okay, we're gonna put speed bumps everywhere, or, or put uh, uh, or you know just make impossibly low speed limits on every single road, or is it a bit more nuanced than that? So yes, there is some nuance to nuance to it. Uh, it's street dependent. It's dependent on the needs of the residents that live on the street, which is something that that we need to focus a lot more on uh, whenever we're doing road widenings or if we're making changes there. Uh, it's not just speed bumps everywhere. Like you said, uh, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be 
sometimes it might be expensive, but I'll go from cheap to expensive. A cheap change could be just narrowing the lanes. So if there's a certain now space that a vehicle needs, that a bus needs, in order to traverse down the street properly at a certain speed, and that's key here, if you make the lanes a little bit smaller, not such that like people are hitting their um, mirrors, their side mirrors against each other, but just enough that people are realizing this is, it's not safe for me to drive dangerously here. You will see a decrease in speeds, but at what can be, I want to say can be the more expensive part, but is also the part where I think more people understand the issue is at intersections where right now, let's talk about Dundas Street going straight across Oakville, Burlington. You, if you're in Milton or Halton Hills, you can think of any of the other regional roads, most likely. And crossing the street is not an enjoyable experience. It is a terrifying experience. And you're questioning, can this, can this driver see me? This driver has tinted windows. I cannot tell if this driver can see me. I need to stop here. There's nowhere for me to stop in the middle of the crosswalk. All of this is going through your mind and more while you're just trying to cross the street. It's about making it so you're going to have four lanes, six lanes, whatever. Make it so it's safe for people to ride the bike or walk to where they need to go. Put a little median in the middle. So that way, if people want to cross a little cross and then check again, or if they don't feel comfortable yet, they can just wait there. It's about, and in doing so, in, with that specific intersection improvement, you can also open up to improvements in signalization, which is another thing that people, specifically those who drive, talk about, where it does not feel like our traffic signals are smart enough. But if you look up a video uh, from a YouTube channel called Not Just Bikes, he has a, a whole video just on traffic signalization. And there's a two minute clip in his business park video that shows, hey, this traffic signal actually responds to the needs in the moment. It's not pre-programmed. It will let pedestrians cross to the middle island during a signal where cars will not be hitting them, where they don't have to worry about cars, they don't have to worry about transit or anything or bikes or anything like that. And it's better. It's overall, the system is just designed better for everyone. I was, I was just um, signaling because uh, uh, something you mentioned a minute or two ago is something I, I learned during when I in 2018 I ran for council and I was canvassing on two roads basically identical um, uh, both off Lakeshore Road Delaware and Seneca they are to all intents and purposes if anyone knows those roads in Burlington they are you can hardly tell the difference between them and they're very close together but Seneca is about I don't know three or foot four foot wider no more than that. Uh, and that slight extra width makes the traffic completely different on that road to to Delaware. And I and I, I I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes as I was sort of knocking on doors. It's like, oh no, the traffic on this street goes much faster than it does on Delaware, and it's just a matter of a couple of feet. And it's a it's a subconscious psychological thing. I mean, the people who drive up and down Delaware don't feel that they're being inconvenienced in any way. Um, so it, it is it really subtle things can have quite a big effect. Um, and then the other thing I think, I was thinking about this the other day, um, that you know, a street like Dundas, um, like Dundas is a vile street. Whether you're a driver or a pedestrian, it is one of the ugliest roads. I've ever seen in my life. It's like, how did we allow this to happen that we can have this, that we think this kind of level of 
ugliness of kind of hostility to everybody uh, in its design is normal and acceptable. Um, And I can't help but think that anything that's done to make uh, a street like Dundas more pedestrian friendly or more cyclist friendly is also just going to make it a much nicer place to be uh whereas right now it's really like who would ever want to be anywhere near that you know okay if you come off you drive into a plaza or whatever fine but it, it's it, it it's it's almost emblematic to me of of everything that's gone wrong with urban design that we have this horrible six lane wide traffic i don't know what to call it traffic sewer or whatever <laughs> um that we have right through the middle of a, a city and it's like wow did we screw up that we created this thing um right through you know uh, the heart of halton really um you know thousands and thousands and thousands of people drive that road every day and it's like you know it's it's so it's almost like i, I feel that, that there's a need for us to start saying you know, not only do we need to design things better but we need to kind of think about the aesthetics of things when we're doing it uh, that you know, we shouldn't be creating these, these something that is so um, kind of manifestly kind of hostile to, to humans at every level. Um, anyway, that's not a question. I don't know. Is there, if you've got any thoughts on that, please do uh, throw them in. Yeah, I do want to say that there is, if you look at some of the streets uh, in, I try not very hard not to bring up European examples, but if we bring up streets in Netherlands or I guess even some streets in like Montreal or something. The streets that are nice are not nice because they explicitly went out of their just because they explicitly went out of the way to make it look nice. There are very simple streets that are nice because the traffic moves slower or because they focus a lot more on the safety of the street. And I think the words you're looking for when you're saying traffic sewer uh, <laughs> is strode which is (laughs) a place that's trying to be for people to just walk along or gather or whatever. And at the same time, also trying to be like a high, basically a 400 series highway or equivalent of that. Yeah. And ultimately it doesn't, you can't have, you can't do that. Um, And I really think if anybody, if we thought more carefully about ACE, I mean, maybe this is a kind of elitist way of looking at things, but I, I do think, you know, previous generations, we, we did a better job or just, maybe we didn't, maybe it just happened that way. Uh, but it seems it seems like, you know, cities used to design themselves without any involvement from anybody other than just evolution. And we designed some pretty amazing cities all around the world. Um, and, and the more planning we do, the more, <laughs> the more it's sort of, blood. Now, I mean, that's very unfair to urban planners. I don't mean it. If there's any urban planners listening, you're wonderful people, I know. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's like, boy, have we screwed up sometimes. And, you know, you know to, to look at a street like that and think, you know, how can this be viewed as anything but a failure on every level? Um, anyway, Joe. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we're, we're talking about um, creating better cities. I wonder, like, are, have you reached out to, like, neighboring organizations in, say, Peel and Hamilton? Because uh, I'm sure some of our listeners are, are listening and say, yeah, we'd love to have, like, livable cities, but I got to drive into Hamilton for work or I'm, I'm driving to Toronto for work. I need that car or, you know, that's great to have, you know, streets that are safer. But, the, you know, the minute I cross into mississauga oh it's a whole other ball game you know i I, those street those those roadways like dundas goes all the way through the province pretty much you know people take it you can drive it from halton all the way through peel region and into downtown toronto so you know how how, 
I guess I'm wondering, you know, what, how are, are you are you aware of the those limitations in terms of your, your Halton's reach and and what what are your plans to address that uh, that hiccup? So we have communicated with uh, other uh, groups in the other municipalities in Hamilton and Peel, uh, and yes, we recognize that Halt is not an island. We are trying to improve our streets here. And we also do need to make sure that, yes, people are able to get to the neighboring municipalities as well. Uh, and we're ready to work with them whenever they are. Uh, I think so. right now we're trying harder to take the focus, though, off of having our, our streets, our roads, be for people that are actually trying to get through Halton region, right? We have people that are driving along Dundas, from Mississauga just to get to uh, Waterdown, just to get into Hamilton and vice versa. It, it, and in trying to make it easier for people to do that, to drive that way, we're also taking away from not just our own, not just the livability of our region, but from our own economy and from the health of the residents that live here and the safety of those people. I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, you know personal anecdote time. <laughs> uh, my my wife and I went into uh, into Hamilton uh, for dinner on the weekend. We drove as we we're driving in. We noticed one like the struct one of the structural problems of the downtown in Hamilton is exactly that point is the main like the main thoroughfares in Hamilton are designed to get you in and out as quickly as possible. Like you know, everybody talks about catching the wave in Hamilton, right? You catch the wave and you can. You can just be beeline it across town and no no seconds flat. And that's great, great, great. Until you look around the downtown and you're like, there's a hollowing out happening. And why is that? It's because there's no incentive for pers- for somebody to stop and say, no, no, I want to check out that place. I want to stop in there and I want to see what that shop or that that store or that restaurant has to offer. Everything is like there's no time to actually stop and appreciate the the architecture and the 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 flavor of different neighborhoods and the result has been you know hamilton is struggling to get to bring back the the downtown in a, in a meaningful way um so i find i find it's, it's interesting you, you kind of you're a bit proactive on that in terms of you know the peel peel halton and and hamilton regions just these main thoroughfares that are meant to kind of get us in and out of toronto as, as quickly as possible are kind of now where we're structuring our economic and social lives like we're building up neighborhoods around there. Um, so I just, I find it, I find that an interesting, that parallel that you, you, you touched upon there. Yeah. It's Hamilton is also something that I was looking at the other day and I was like, yes, the entire you know, downtown around King street and, um, and Maine have been cleared out. A lot of the buildings are falling apart. And when you mentioned how people are, it's because you're focusing more on trying to get through the city. It's, it also does not help that the faster you move, the kind of smaller your view cone gets. You don't focus as much around what's right. around you. Right. You focus right. more on what's ahead of you because if you hit something that's farther ahead of you, you're you're in for it. Uh, or something else that's farther ahead of you hits you, it's more dangerous. So you need to focus more. If you're at a lower speed, if you're at like the 30 or 40 kilometers, for example, that's on Grand Street or most of the downtown areas in Halton, you do actually have the time to appreciate the 
buildings around you to appreciate all of the work of the people of the city, residents, staff, and from the people that have come before from a historical perspective. It's, uh, it seems like these ideas are, are starting to catch serious um I mean, I'm just thinking of the sort of Holton politicians and how they've changed over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, I would say, for instance, Burlington Council, picking at random, or not random in the least, is much more open to this kind of uh, way of thinking than it was a decade or so ago, I I would say. Um, uh, However, my experience, well, you know, I'm an old cynical guy, but my experience has been that, you know, the the desire to, to make things change and the ability to make them happen is are two very different things and um uh yeah you really need the you need this you really do need the staff on board uh, at a municipal level to, to get things to happen but yeah sorry go ahead yeah so actually one thing that you, you will be happy to hear is how much staff has been pushing for things like this uh it's interesting talking to f- folks like you who have interacted with uh, just just the city of Burlington in the past mm-hmm. and then comparing it to now and having staff say, no, we're trying to focus more on making our city walkable, making it safe, making it livable. And there's a plan coming to council. I think it's early next year that's supposed to be coming called the Integrated Transportation, Integrated Mobility Plan. Mm-hmm. And that plan will be focusing on pretty much the priorities for certain areas of like, how are we going to focus on people getting through here? Are we going to be focusing on truck traffic getting through here? But at the same time, we are going to make it safe for every single person to get through and use this street regardless. Uh, And it's a standard, this specific plan is something that is seen once again in like European countries where they do these kind of layering of, of different forms of transportation and then putting them together and seeing how they should or can interact. Well, I see we're, we're coming up on, on our time, but um, uh, I wish you all the very best with this. I mean, I, I, I have no doubt that, that this is the way that cities should be going and that um, the benefits that come from, from thinking in a more pedestrian centric way uh, uh, affect everybody, you know, regardless of how you get around, um, you know, a pedestrian friendly city is a city that's friendly to everybody i think um so i, I wish you all the we both i'm sure wish you all the very best with it and uh, and all the success with uh safe streets halton and uh, safe streets halton.ca uh, anybody listening who'd like to get involved um and uh thanks uh, nick for joining us today i'm sure we'll speak to you again in the future thanks thanks for having us That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
This is Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.